Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast with Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. Well, busy day in the Cowboys locker room. We uh, were able to catch up with a bunch of the guys, and there's a couple of headlines to get into ahead of the fact that we're also previewing and talking about this Minnesota Vikings game, a team, Bobby, that is 6-3 and three, heading in here. And as we talked earlier this week, Really an opportunity for the Cowboys to prove to the fan base and really to the media and the critics if they are, in fact, contenders or pretenders. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look back, heading back to even last year, you, you've got them losing the game to the Colts late in the year and a stretch of games where they were, you know, starting to win and made that push with Mari Cooper. But they were beating what was essentially a lot of bottom feeders. And that's why a lot of people had picked the Seahawks to beat them when it came playoff time. Now, they won that game, of course, and then went on and and clearly looked like they weren't on the same level with the Rams the following week. And that's kind of followed them into the season. You know, that wasn't an issue Dak's rookie year. As much as people talked about, people had said during that time, well, the Cowboys had faced a last-place schedule. This is a fun fact a lot of people don't know, that at the time of the games that they were played in 2016, not how they finished with their record, but at the time they played them, the Cowboys won nine games that year against teams that had a record above 500 at the time of the game, and that was the second most all-time for a quarterback outside of Tom Brady, who had won 10. They were so incredibly convincing that year, too, with you know this rookie quarterback who'd stepped into such a tricky situation. I I will never forget that that was my first year at the NFL Network, Bobby. And, and, you know, as I've talked about before, watching Dak Prescott again, that that fourth guy on the depth chart from the summer, talk about manifestation and believing in himself and success, ascending to that job and then never giving it back. And then watching Tony Romo walk into the conference room, which the media room, which we're not far from as we're recording this podcast, and essentially concede defeat in the sense that he had been told he wasn't going to be able to compete for the job. And it was, we saw Tony essentially throw in the towel and step aside uh, so that Dak Prescott could be this quarterback without there being any drama in the locker room. And that's been his mental makeup. That's been his calling card more than anything else. I mean, I think whenever people have talked about, oh, the mechanics aren't there, he doesn't do this better than the thing that people always point to is he's got that, you know, it factor that you just can't measure, but it's something there. And, and there's just something there that causes people to gravitate towards it. Honestly, that was, a, that was a major factor in why that winning streak took place and why there, I mean, you looked at the year before when Romo went out and you cycled through three different quarterbacks, including Dak Prescott's now offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. And that was a team that just looked, they knew at the start of those games, they were defeated. And when Tony would come in, they played better. They went three and one with Tony that year. And so you kind of expected the same in 2016 and you didn't get it. You saw they were, you know, brought to life. It was the same sort of team from the year before and they just had this different energy about them. And that's carried on into this fourth year. And I think that heading into this game, when there are so many questions about, can they run with the contenders? Are they just beaten down on the bad teams? You know, they play up to good competition, fall just short. They play down to bad competition. That's been a line about them for years with Jason Garrett. This is a good opportunity in front of a national audience to say, Again. we're here. But, but you know, and... Uh, Think of all the primetime games that they've had. It's, it's funny, too, because, uh, you know, Dak said this earlier in the year. He said, you know, if we beat them, uh, you know, this was heading into the Saints game. He said, if we beat them, y'all say Drew Brees isn't there. Y'all have already written it. And, of course, they lost the game. 
I, I kind of do wonder though if they'll if when if they win this game against the Vikings, if just the narrative will be, well, the Vikings are pretenders, and so uh, like, clearly, like we didn't learn anything about Dallas, we just learned the Vikings are now pretenders. Honestly, the only game they could win this year that I think that would change the narrative for them is the Patriots at Foxborough. They win that game, and you silence a lot of the critics. That's a that's a tall test. Yeah, I think that the, I think New Orleans could have done that for them, and I think that's why they felt. Uh, that was a frustrating loss for them because I think they did feel like that was right there. that was a chance for them to have that kind of a victory, and you know, in in the end, you're still looking at the same. As much as we think this team has improved, and as much talent as we think they have, you're still looking at the same sort of issues that has plagued this team for forever. Which is okay, what's changed? Because you still haven't beaten Aaron Rodgers at home. Mm-hmm. He you couldn't beat him at AT and T Stadium. He's still undefeated there. You know, you still couldn't go they on the road. They did on the road, though. They, they did. They, they've Dak, done that. That was, that was a signature game for Dak Prescott, and that, that's what changed his trajectory in Dallas was when he beat him on the road. Yeah, that was a... That, that was, to me, was far more impressive than beating Aaron Rodgers at home, personally. That was a very... Well, and that, but I mean, that was a down Packers team at the time. This was a team that was riding high, and they come in here, and you just you couldn't do it. And of course, later on in that year, of course, we know Aaron Rodgers got the best of them in the playoffs. And so, it, it was a big victory. It's probably... I'd say it's the... We had this discussion at the time of the Saints game here on the, among the reporters here at the Star that, you know, what is Dak's signature road win? He doesn't really have one yet. And, and the only one that kind of came up was the Packers one and then the Steelers game later that year as mm-hmm. well. But the Steelers game, that's another conference. It's just a little different. So that presented a good opportunity for him earlier in the year to do that with the Saints. And so they didn't get that. They didn't get the game against the Packers. They still couldn't beat Aaron Rodgers at AT&T Stadium. They couldn't handle the Jets. You know, so again, the narrative comes, even without players, Dak needs a whole cast around him. So this is a chance to hopefully undo some of that. I just feel like regardless of who the opponent is or what the game is, the, the thing that stands out for me about Dak time and time again is when you just look at him very myopically in just the course of a game, particularly when this team is down and out. And I look at this Giants game. They're mm-hmm. on the road. They're at MetLife Stadium, Monday Night Football. The very first play of the game, he throws an interception. Yeah. That would rattle most quarterbacks, especially in a year when people have sort of doubted Dak. You know, they were super high on him. Pay him everything he wants to get paid. The You got people across the aisle that are saying he doesn't possibly deserve Patrick Mahomes type of money or uh, the money that we're seeing some of these big-time quarterbacks getting paid. But it's the way that he settles in. And there was this moment of authenticity in the locker room on Thursday. You've got to hear it. I caught it on tape. It's not always caught on film. But this is the Dak that we know. It's the confidence that he not only sells to us, that I believe that he sells to his teammates. Take a listen. I literally walked to the sideline, just kind of shrugged my shoulders. <laughs> was trying not to smile because I realized I was on TV. Yeah, somebody else was saying, yeah, I got you. I was giving people that, like, that's me. That's on me, obviously. I got you. I got you. But it's like, shit, it's a lot of first distances. <laughs> <laughs> One to the next. I mean, uh, Clayton, Clayton Thurston. I mean, it can't get any worse from here. <laughs> so that's a good point. It's way to look at it he just has this ability bobby to shrug off adversity and and i think i talked about this in in one of our podcasts here already but you know some of that he credits to the loss of his mother growing up in a one-person home uh not exactly with the best means that he's known adversity right right and that he takes advantage of these opportunities and at the end of the day this is football but his the way that he lets things just roll off of his back, because not that this is even a great comparison, Mm -hmm. but when I first got into sports talk radio, we would have this thing. I worked at one Oh five through the fan in town and had a show with a guy named elf. And we would get these fan texts that would come in and admittedly. And I've said this before, if anyone sits followed my career, I was in over my head when it came (laughs) to this job and the fan texts would come in and people would just berate you on air. And when you're seeing that stuff, I have a really thick skin, right? Mm-hmm. But there were days that I would literally go home in tears. And so sometimes I look at Dak, and like I said, look, I'm not playing in front of millions. People aren't buying my jerseys. But on some small level, I know what it's like to dream big, to want to do big things, and have people tear you down and say you're not good enough. And then to doubt yourself, right? That some of that stuff starts getting in your head. I don't know what it is about him, but it's it to me, it's what fascinates me about Dak he never lets it affect him. 
No. And I, as a result, it doesn't look like it affects the team either. No, I, I think back to when we were at training camp and you had pulled, we had gotten John Kitten, they brought John Kitten over for you to do a one-on-one with him on the network. And, um, you know, I think so often people are, they take everything a coach says about a player with a grain of salt. They're going to, oh, of course, they're going to speak glowingly about that guy, you know, the, but, you know, sometimes you just got to flat out believe him. And I remember you asked him, you know, talk about Dak Prescott, what stands out to you since you've been working with him. And he said, and he repeated this in other interviews. I heard him. He said he has an elite level mindset. He said he has a mindset that is like nobody I've ever been around before in this sport. And this is a sport full of people who have, you know, really strong mental approaches and, and have a lot of confidence. And his is different. That's on a different level. I remember I was talking to somebody uh, that same story I told last week uh, about uh, Dak Prescott at that camp where he said, stop making me feel good. I need you guys to say I can't do it. I need that. And I had uh, told that story to somebody within the organization, and uh, they said, he's he's special. Like, that's the stuff. That's right there. That's why he's special. That's why he's the guy. That's why, he's the, that's why he is the quarterback for this team. And it plays to the – I know people have wondered before – during draft time, you'll hear people wonder, why are, don't the Cowboys seem to be interested in this smaller school guy and things like this? Because it matters. It matters that Dak Prescott played in the SEC and heard all those you know loud things on the road at LSU or in Alabama. You've got to be prepared for the bright lights. I mean, Jason Garrett addressed that earlier uh, a couple weeks ago when somebody asked him a similar question. He said, the number one thing we look for is football character, but that is something that comes into our evaluation is how prepared is this guy to be a Dallas Cowboy? But think about it. There's been so many knuckleheads that have been yeah. quarterbacks of these large programs without naming any names here that have not been able to handle the spotlight or what we've seen. You get the straw on your helmet, especially here in Dallas. It changes you. Mm-hmm. You change and it's going to change you, especially if you're getting endorsements and money and growing up here in the Dallas area, you know, hanging out in, in the downtown area where a lot of these players go out, I see them away from the locker room and things are handed to them. It's carte blanche. I mean, it's like that in any other city, but it is really like that in Dallas. I mean, they are demigods here. Oh, yeah. But Dak has never changed, ever. I'm telling you, I have, I, I am always so impressed with him as a human, just the way that he carries himself both on and off the field. Yeah, and I mean, it's... And I'm it's, honestly incredulous over it sometimes because you never know what to... Some of these guys, they do a good job of being fraudulent. In other words, they sell it to you. Cough, David Irving, cough. <laughs> we could get into that, but that's, I, for, that's for a discussion for another sure. day. That's a, bigger com- that's a bigger topic. Cowboys defensive end, if you guys aren't familiar with them. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're... I'm sure you are. You're an all-in Cowboys fan, so we don't have to... Uh, we can get a little inside baseball here with you. But some of these guys say one thing in front of the cameras, and they walk away, and they're a different person. Yes. Dak is just not that person. No. And, and I, I keep waiting for him to change, Bobby, and because I, you expect a person to change when much is when much is given. Yeah. No, I think that when you look at the only changes I've really seen at all over four years has just been a bigger vocalization of the leader that he is when the cameras are off. That's it. He's the same guy. He's just the only changes we see really are he's a little more vocal and and public about some of the things he's already doing internally to motivate guys and to keep guys accountable. And I remember it stood out to me. I I could probably go back and find the exact clip, but I'm going to paraphrase here that, you know, Dak talked about how do you guys stay focused? This was his first press conference out at training campus here. And it was, how do you guys stay focused when there are such high expectations, you know, don't fall victim to your own press clippings. And he basically said, you know, well, it starts with handling your business on the football field and things like that. He said, but, we got to hold ourselves to a high standard in how we're behaving in the meeting rooms, how we're behaving when we're out at for dinner around the city and blah, blah. And I mean, without calling anybody out and he may not have even had anybody in mind, but just sort of wanted to put it out there that guys need to be aware at all times that cameras are on them. People are watching them. Eyes are on them. I I've seen in three different, three different players, three different videos where Dak has been in a video on social media, a live stream or a, I think, and they're doing something, and on three different occasions with three different players, Dak tells them to turn it off, and or says, "Don't do, don't do that, don't do that." And I've got to think it's hard when you are a young guy who wants to be friends with everyone, but you're also expected to be a leader. Again, because yeah. when you're the quarterback, 
It's, There's it's, different expectations of you. It's kind of like the parent-child relationship, maybe. Like, is you want to, you know, you don't necessarily want to be friends with your kids. You, I mean, you you do. You want to have their, but I mean, you want the them they, to respect you. So, in other parent. words, how you, it's it's fascinating to me that he gets them to not only buy in and and play hard, not only alongside him but for him, but they respect him in that locker room. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I thought this was interesting. I said to him, you know, in the locker room today, which again, you know, we have so many reporters in Dallas. We'd already done this massive media scrum. And then for another 30 minutes, Dak is still talking off camera with all of us while we're rolling with our recorders. And again, that's another thing that's always impressive is, to me about him. He is very generous with his time. It's, it stood out to me during OTAs when guys are not required to talk during OTAs because it's voluntary. There's three weeks there and it's tough to find guys to talk. Two out of the three weeks, Dak stood up there and said, all right, yeah, sure, I'll talk to you. And talked with us. for t- He does not have to do that. And a lot of guys choose not to do it. And, and he, he, he does. does it win or loss. He's the mm-hmm. type of guy that I, that's, you know, even when they've had tough seasons last year, you know, I can remember when they went on that three and five run, he stood there in front of his locker and took the questions. It wasn't one of those, all right, let's, let's get this over with PR. I'm going to need you to call this. And I'm walking away. I mean, he, he stands there. You know, some people are going to be listening to this. Well, he gets paid millions to do that. Well, a lot of people get paid millions to do it, but they don't. And he doesn't get paid millions quite yet. (laughs) Right. But but I thought it was interesting today. I asked him, you know, something along the lines of, you know, when, what is it about this team when, even when you guys find yourselves in funk, you guys are such a tight community. How do you get that chemistry? Where does that come from? And he had this to say. I mean, I think, as I was saying, somebody asked about the Jordan and Tito running in the end zone together. I mean, as cheesy as we want to say, it's it's this Thursday dinner that I'm going to. Tonight. I go to Thursday dinner with the offensive lineman, me and Zeke, right? It's that because, sure, yeah, we don't talk ball there. We're not pointing out mics and stuff there. But the conversation there and the brotherhood is growing that when we are in the film room and we're breaking it down and I don't think something or he thinks this and you have those little – whose idea is right, you're able to get through those because of that time, because of the time spent, because you know that guy cares just as much as you do, and we're all only doing it for the right reason. Uh, yeah, it makes it easy. The fact that Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott make it a point to go out with this offensive line on Thursdays and have dinner, and him talking about how that translates into the meeting room. In fact, he was even joking today. He said he didn't realize that Dalvin Cook was the top rusher in the league. And he sort of leaned over to Demarcus Lawrence uh, this week. And Demarcus Lawrence said, not this week. He said it speaks to the brotherhood that they have for each other. And while, and we'll get into the Dalvin Cook discussion here in a bit. But it speaks to, he said that Zeke may not give too much thought to the fact that, you know, Dalvin Cook is the leading rusher in the league. And, you know, that may not be what motivates him in this game, but it motivates the other players. Yeah. Because they're looking out for Zeke. They've all got each other. It is a unique locker room. And I thought that's what stood out four years ago about Dak when he took over the reins. And nothing against Tony. But Tony and people, you know, I've talked to them privately about this. Tony at that point had, what, three kids at the time. They were working on their fourth. You know, he's married. You know, you sort of get set in your ways. It's a little bit easier for a single young guy who's come up with a bunch of other young guys to have these sort of relationships but that's what makes this locker room so unique. They really genuinely like each other. And they, they've talked about it. Joe Looney told me this. You know, it's fun to go up to work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these guys don't look at it as a beating. This isn't a... This locker room never gets down. No. No, they're always generally pretty... I, I mean, occasionally you'll get a guy who's a little frustrated. But, I mean, for the most part, they're all upbeat. They're positive. They are exactly what Jason Garrett has seemingly dreamed of and I I think that's a big reason why Jason Garrett's job is on the line too this year is because it's you know this is everything you've wanted this is a team that buys into the way you want this is the true test of your culture and the culture that you say can win championships and and here it is and here's the opportunity but I think that a big reason why the chemistry is so good and this team is so tight and just curious for your thoughts on this I think it's really interesting to see how this core is kind of 
growing up together. Like mm-hmm. they're all kind of coming in. It, it's almost, they're having babies together. It, there's been like a there's been a baby explosion there here. Ha, there is an off season baby camp. boom. You will you will all their kids are about the same age. They're all you know. It's it seems like they're all like getting married and they all the couples hang out together and. It is it is a tight-knit group. It is. And I think that part of it has to do with... I mean, let's just... Not to say that this wasn't a tight-knit group, but I mean, you go back to, let's say, 2013, roughly that time. Okay, we've got Tony Romo, who's been the starting quarterback for seven years. And then it's, you know, Dez, who's been here for two years. And then, oh, here's rookie Travis Frederick. And then rookie... I mean, they're they're not all kind of growing at the same time. I mean, everything's sort of been built. And I think that's the thing is that they're, they've all just grown as men and grown in the game at the same time. I think that's part of the reason why it's so close. There wasn't a massive youth infusion either. If you think about it, there wasn't a ton of turnover back then. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the knocks on this team. It was an team. attempt to hold on and, and right. to, to make things work with Tony. And then we really started to see when they let DeMarco go, go and then it was Tony and then it was Dez. It sort of like turned the page on what I consider sort of a new era of the Dallas Cowboys organization. And it's been fun to watch, quite frankly. I, I would be hard-pressed to believe that this team, this nucle- nucleus, doesn't get it done eventually. Yeah, I think... Uh, I've but seen- I, don't, I don't know if that's going to take a new head coach to get that done. If that's going to take a missing piece or two to get that done. And I think that's, again, going back to that, I think that's why his job's on the line, is because I think this is the true test of... Everything's pretty much in place now. So now the question is, can you, Jason Garrett, do it? Can you get it done? But you run the risk of what if you get a guy in here that's too tough or he's trying to be their best friend, a la Barry Switzer back in the days where there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a ton of respect for Barry when you were used to a Jimmy. Does that get it done? Or or, I mean, let's take an example. A lot of people have really been impressed with Jordan Lewis lately and how he's played. And they've been excited about that. And he had a really strong rookie year. And not that this is a knock, it's it's starting to work out in the end. But you brought in a new coach, and a new coach all of a sudden goes, that doesn't meet my thresholds, though. Like like Jordan's height doesn't meet what my thresholds are. You know, it's a, and he talked about it. And I remember it stuck out to me. It was during OTAs. They asked Chris Richard about why he was so big on corner length, and he went through this big explanation of why it was so important. And they were like, well, okay, what about Jordan Lewis? And it was like a quick pause. He goes. Well, there are always exceptions to the rule. And it's like, okay, he didn't realize he dug so deep on can't be 5'10". Well, what about Jordan Lewis? Oh, uh, well, you know, there are some But exceptions. Jordan Lewis, a guy that's proven himself when you put him in there. A guy who I I had somebody tell me this. I'd like to see more of Jordan Lewis And And I, I think you're starting to see he's starting to take the role of the nickel corner from Anthony Brown. I think that with Anthony Brown being hurt, you're starting to see him seize on that. And I think the Cowboys are coming around on that i remember it was well, if you don't think the front office loves that i, I remember they there was, want the young guys to win the job i was told about there was a player in the locker room who was getting reprimanded by one of the coaches one time and it was for an attitude issue and just said you know kind of straighten up are you around here you know moping and that they had pointed to jordan lewis as an example for how to act that they had said you know, Jordan Lewis is in the spot that he's in because of, like, how God made him. Like, he's 5'10". He can't do it. He's not going to grow two more inches no matter how hard he works. But you know what he's doing? He's busting his ass out here. He's doing everything he can to say, okay, well, th- I understand that's where you are, and that's where I respect it. You respect that I can't work in your system. I'm going to bust my ass to show you that I can be the exception to that rule, that I can work in your system, and they love it. I take 100 of those guys. Look at Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Yeah, he wears that boulder on his shoulder well. Yeah, he always said when he finishes the game after the first game, they talked about his stats, and he goes, "Not bad for a receiver, huh?" I love it. Yeah, and and that's George. The Cowboys look at look at Keith Smith was cut twenty times or something, cut and re-signed. They switched his position, and the reason why they did that is because he was the guy who was, "I'm going to do whatever to stay on this team. I'm going to you know bust my tail. I'm going to do whatever you guys ask. I'm going to be the effort guy. I'm going to do the dirty work." They love those. If you do that, you can stick around. And I think the good thing is is that Jordan Lewis is a good example of that. And I think in general, there are a lot of guys on here who, even when they're feeling themselves, they're feeling themselves as a group. There's not a whole lot of ego in that locker room. It's, it's a healthy amount of ego. You know, one of my favorite ego guys is Demarcus Lawrence, who typically gives us a bunch of bulletin board material out of the games. I went up to him because here's a fun fact. He has sacked Kirk Cousins more than any other quarterback in his career five different times. Because remember, in in case you weren't keeping track at home, Kirk Cousins, of course, played for the Redskins before he went to the Vikings. And I was expecting something interesting from him today. Here's here's what he told me. My mom told me I got to stop cussing. 
and I got to stop talking bad about people. So I'm trying, Mom, this first day um, to many days. So no bulletin board material ahead of Minnesota? Nah, no bulletin board uh, material. Um, I mean, it's, it's football. They they know what they're in for. We know what we're in for. So and really nothing to, to spark the juices or nothing. So. so did she physically call you and tell you, I want you to be nice to others? Yeah, she said be nice to others, but um, in between the lines, you can do what you do. It certainly makes our job less entertaining. Uh, but I just, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is one of the more entertaining guys in that locker room. I think, I think they have the right amount of ego. Like, I don't think they could have too many Demarcus Lawrence's. Like, not no. to be critical, there are a lot of, and it, it's worked for them, but there are a lot of Demarcus Lawrence's in, like, New Orleans's locker room, it feels like. And that's a team that, like, they've all got a lot of swag and it works for really? them. I don't know. I, I think so. Know, I think yeah, there's I a lot that team, too. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot more, I think that's a louder locker room. I'll say that. We go in the locker room and they are, you know. It's funny. Michael Thomas is loud on Twitter, but he's not loud in the locker room. No, I know. But I mean, like, it was funny. We went in there. They're and kind of loud on the field. We were, we were trying to get post-game audio after the Cowboys game. And it was we couldn't play any of it because they were, had a speaker in there. There's boom and music. And they're dancing. And they're which, having- by the way, they take on the road, which is incredibly obnoxious to the <laughs> opponent that's home. Uh, because they have intentionally made sure that you can hear those speakers resonate. That it, there's a swag that comes with the team. But I think you do have to be careful. You know, there's a swag, but man, when you fall, people want to see you fall. Yeah, and and I think there's you enough You put a people, target on your back, so to speak. I think there's enough of a target on the backs of the Dallas Cowboys just because of that star. Agreed. That they don't need to bring much more of it on themselves. And I think that's why... As much as people hate, oh, well, Doug Peterson's guaranteed a victory. Why does Jason Garrett say we're excited for the challenge? He's smart Because enough. I think Jason Garrett understands there's enough attention on this team, enough expectations of this team without him trying to fight. Twitter says, why isn't he firing up the team? He's got the team People hate fired the Garrett up. bit. I love it because he's trolling all of us. I've long said his bit is that he is just smarter than us. He And he's self-aware. Earlier this week when he was talking to Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan and you know, we always hear him say he's been a good player in this league for a long, long time. And they ask him about the cat. He was self-aware enough to say, well, you know, cats have been quick for a long, long time. And he know, and he's, and he says it without cracking a, he, you never hear him. Like he, he knows it. he just kind of smirks. It's like Paul Schwartz told us a couple weeks ago from the New York Post. He said, every time you talk to him, he'd always kind of give you this smirk like, I could say more, but I'm not going to. And you know I could say more, and I'm not going to. In my personal interactions, I find myself sometimes going, did he just... Jedi mind trick me. I mean, sometimes I walk away and I, I literally, I'll, I'll literally chew and stew on a conversation or exchange Jason and I will have because I'm, I don't know if he's trolling me. Well, then see, and, and it's because of that that J- whenever I uh, Jane actually told me today, I was trying to read into Jason's body language on the podium. And she's like, "You're reading too much," and and I will do that. For people at who don't realize, so again. MVB here, my most valuable Bobby, has become sort of my work husband. Uh, <laughs> you've become my longest lasting relationship, quite frankly. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> but he always wants to really think through these things, which I love. I think it lends itself to better content. Uh, I feel like we have critical minds as we think about some of our hits and the way we're going to approach our storylines. But you do have some of these conspiracy theorists, man. And I, I, I got to walk you off the ledge. I'll, I'll hit on one out of 20 of them, though. And it's that one out of 20. Sometimes we, you're not crazy. We, we were, it's funny. We were when Michael Bennett, and he still has not spoken to the media. Actually, tell real quick. I know you got a chance to talk to him today. It's, he's not being defiant. He explained what he had to say. He says he just wants to get in his groove. And we're going to have Calvin Watkins here in a little bit with the uh, Dallas Morning News, one of my, uh, my other homeboys. We had Clarence Hill uh, on here earlier in the week. But Calvin and I both attempted. We tried to do one for the team. And look, he was polite. I've always been a fan of Michael Bennett. In fact, when I went up and did uh, the Eagles last year, a couple of the players, of course, were like, "Uh uh-uh, you're the Cowboys (laughs) reporter. We're not talking to you. Michael Bennett was over there singing with a bunch of the guys. And then, of course, today we saw him dancing. Out there dancing and not not bitter. This big, scary social activist, Michael Bennett, who won't talk (laughs) to the media has a personality. The players like him. <gasps> I, I've this ne- is so crazy, everyone. I've never seen, I, I don't believe so, in the locker room, I've never seen a player hug a reporter. And he didn't talk, but he went up to his Aggie friend, Shereen Williams, and gave her a big bear hug. And He's a likable cat. I like Michael Bennett. Yeah. Here's the deal. He doesn't want to get asked about the anthem. Right. Which I get. I think he feels like that's a settled thing. There's no point in stirring that up. You know, as he said, he just wants to get in his groove. And I think right now he just wants his work to speak for itself. And he did that. I mean, when you look at 
what he accomplished in his first game, Monday Night Football, on a big stage with the Giants. And then even talking to Marcus Lawrence, he just talked about he loves the energy that he brings. They're getting along great. I think he was a good addition. So we'll talk to him at some point. Uh, but I, I, this is not a guy that – I don't know if I agree with some of the narrative on Bennett. Now no. it's early. No, I, I think Doug Hendrick. I think what Doug Hendrickson told us a couple weeks ago has proved to be pretty accurate. I, I think he's, you know, I, I think there's just been unique circumstances at a couple of his stops, and there's he's a been, different cat. He is the way that people would explain him. He is, and he's, you know, like I said, he was more than polite today. He's not. There are a couple guys. Quite frankly, around the Amari league. Cooper is a different cat. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, and, and there are a couple guys around the league that being a different cat. they won't talk and they'll grunt at you or they'll flat out tell you to go away. I had a, a player do that to me one time. The very first time I was ever in an NFL locker room, a player told me, go talk to somebody else. I was like, okay. And I, I, Michael Bennett hasn't done that. He just has politely, he politely told people, like, no, nah, not yet. You know, not, don't want to talk yet. It'll come. It's not. But the funny thing and look, was. Here's the deal. What people don't realize is players do have to talk. So at some point. You can get reported to the league, and then they they force you to go talk to the reporters. That hasn't happened yet. He's going to talk at some point. Yeah, and, and he's going to address all this. But you I, know, I respect the fact that he's settling in his groove. He doesn't want to be a distraction. He doesn't want the narratives to be about this guy and 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 what have you. But um, well, I, and I don't think he's. I, I don't think anybody's losing patience with him yet. No. If we're not, so I, I think it's fine. It was, it was funny though. Uh, circling back to. Because did he even do anything with the anthem the other night? No, he was I on. Think he, he was toe on the line yeah, the was, way Jerry Jones wants him to be. He was up there, yeah. No, but it it was funny when the first day we were going in there when we thought he was going to talk. Just going back to what kind of insanity I have, I was sitting there and Jane had been off talking to our friend Lindsey Draper from DallasCowboys.com when she walked up. I was like running through my head and like talking to myself quietly, and Jane just goes like, "What are you What are you doing?" And I was like, I "Never know what's going on in this." I guy's said. Mind. I'm trying to figure out where Michael Bennett's locker is going to be so we can get a good position. I was like, he should be like three to the left of uh, Jordan Lewis or two to the left of Xavier Sufi. And the look she gave me was like, you know, I just... Because his brain never turns off, y'all. I mean, this guy, like, but here's, the here's... things that he texts me or wants to call about on like days <laughs> off, and, and look, I appreciate it. I always say I never, ever, ever want to wet blanket his energy or his enthusiasm for this job. But sometimes I just want to call his wife, Kristen, and say, Kristen. She has to live with this. I, yeah, that's what you guys got to remember. It's fascinating. But after you said that. You are that, my rain man, then. I, I actually did. I, uh, you and nailed it. Well, this is how. No, this is how. I did nail it. But this is how nutty I was later. I was back. I was like, how unusual is that? Can I, like, figure out, like, where. And so I, in my head, like, I sketched it out, like, where everybody's place oh in the locker God. room was. And I went back in. I missed four of them. So I was four, because the next day I went in, I was like, let me see how accurate. I, mean, I had four out of place. But overall, I was pretty accurate. I knew where. The entire 90-man roster. Yeah, including place. empty spots. I knew where they are. Not 90 now. It's 53 with 10 practices. But I knew where each guy was and where the empty space were. Outside of like, I missed like four. I have a lot of useless nuggets in my head, but you take it to another level. I know. It's a, it's a little much. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right. Well, let's continue to give some people some meaningful nuggets heading heading into this game. Uh, Amari Cooper, I know there was some concern this week because he had the MRI on his knee. Mm -hmm. He went and got that MRI taken care of, caught up with him in the locker room. Here's what he had to say. This year you've been dealing with the knee issue, the ankle issue, the heel issue, the quad issue, and you're also in a contract year. Some would question why a player would continue to put themselves out there and play through some of these injuries the way you have. Why do you? Well, I do it because um, I just like playing football. I like being out there. If I could go, um, I could go. And I feel like, um, you know, even when I'm injured, if it's something that won't keep me sidelined, I feel like I can be productive and help my team get to where we need to go. And so with this latest, you had an MRI this week. What did it yield on Thursday? Um, it was some, to be honest, I wasn't really like listening like that to what he was saying. <laughs> the only thing I was trying to hear and get from him was how manageable it was. And when he told me that I could 
it was manageable, then uh, that's all I needed to hear. So that means you'll be at practice on Friday and you're a go on Sunday? Uh, yeah, barring a setback. It is like pulling teeth sometimes talking to Amari Cooper. And it's fine. I joked with them today and I sort of, it was interesting. I sort of disarmed him a little bit. I said, first of all, I, I, you know, when I asked him the question sort of off the, the recorder, cause I was trying to be respectful of these guys. Like, I don't like to like roll up on them and ambush them. You know, I, but I asked the, him a but question. But at the same time you communicate, you're not, you're not duping them either. You explain right, to them that's right, on like, the hey, record. You right. check. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I try to be, uh, an ethical reporter of it's sorts. It's just easier for some guys to talk knowing there's not a something recording right. every word they say. But he sort of laughed at me and then looked at Cheeto and I, I, I said to him, I said, you know, in a contract year, why are you playing through some of these injuries? And I said, is that a dumb question? <laughs> I started laughing and I go, seriously, like if it's a dumb question, tell me it's a dumb question. I just, you're playing through a lot of these, man. Like at some point, I'm, I'm not saying you have to be selfish. Like I, it's admirable. I respect the fact that you're playing through some of these. But there's a lot of guys out there, particularly wide receivers. It's a it's a diva. There's a there's a narcissistic diva personality trait that goes into being the guy that that not only gets the ball but wants the ball that needs the ball, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, he sort of laughed, and at that point, it was like, "All right, I'll talk to you." I said, "I gotta <laughs> tell you, man. Like, I've been doing this a long time now. You sort of make me up my game here. I always ask myself before I come into this locker room, how can I word a question? And I said this to him to his face." where I can get more than five words out of you. And again, he sort of laughed. And sometimes, I, again, like I don't, but every player I've talked to is like, yeah, he's just a different cat. He's, I mean, he's <laughs> so smart though. And he's, he's so, so thoughtful. Smart. Like, I mean, I, I think that was when he first got up, came in the locker room, I would say the first week or two we were dealing with him. I think we had some of the same impressions people in Oakland did, which was just like, what's this deal? Does he, is he just, does he not talk or is he shy or like what? He's, he's just smarter than us. He's, he's like Jason and, Garrett. And you find out over time, I think people thought he was a bad quote initially. It's like, he's not a bad quote. He's just not going to, you know, you've got to actually ask him something that will cause him to go, that's smart. Let me let me run through this. Let me explain. And there is, honestly, I've never, ever, ever in that locker room run into anybody more honest about their injury situation. 100%. He will break down for you in detail what is things are what percent he, he gives us numbers all the time oh i'm 80 percent. i'm about 85 percent. right well he, you heard him just there i asked him about that it, the 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 thing i would take away from this fantasy owners and people following this game this weekend uh, as it pertains to injuries he did not seem bothered by it i wouldn't be bothered by it either if i were you he seemed uh, the only thing he seemed a little bothered by was he seemed bothered by knowing he was about to have to stand up and talk to everybody and get the same question <laughs> and by the end of it he was frustrated it was kind of funny he laughed about it after all but you know, somebody had asked him like a third question or basically trying to, well, how does it feel? Do you think you'll be able to Give run yet? adjectives. And he said, he said, I have not. He like stopped out for a second, laughed and went, I have not gone out there since I had this MRI. I do not know. I will, I will tell you guys and I'll tell you when I know, but I don't know yet. I just don't. He just, he's fascinating to me. I, I, There's a couple of players I'm just fascinated by in this we, locker we've, room. We've got to ask him about this because I don't know if he still does it. I know he did in Oakland for a little bit. He had like a book club blog he was running when he first came into the league. Of where course he, he did. And he, and he was like trying to read a book a month. And I know he is a big reader. And we, we need to do that. We need to ask him next week we're in the locker room. We need to ask him like, what are you reading right now? Like, like what's really like, what are you into? Because books, that is, he and he is a book where like. He's like Ricky Williams-esque, you know, like Ricky Williams was a different cat. Ricky Williams yes. is like one of the smartest guys, you know, that I ever worked with and um, watched as a fan when we were at Texas. But and like I said, I, I worked alongside him at Longhorn Network. There are just some players that just they don't fit the mold. And sometimes that's a good thing. It's been interesting when you're so used to a guy like Des Bryant in Dallas. You've got two wide receivers, three really, Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup, and uh, Amari Cooper, who could not be more polar opposites of Dez's personality. I thought it was so funny this week. Uh, and Dak said a similar thing, but they asked, you know, Randall Cobb, you know, Oh, you've played Minnesota a lot being in green Bay. And they asked, and so, you know, what are you thinking about this? And he said, honestly, um, I didn't realize we were playing Minnesota till yesterday. He said, I don't, he said, and if you ask me who we're playing after Minnesota, he's like, I couldn't tell you. He's like, I mean, I'm just so focused on like that day. He's like, Jason so, Garrett's got and, to him. Oh gosh, and Dak said the same thing. Dak said, if you ask me right now who we're playing after Minnesota, I could not tell you because I'm not focused on anybody but Minnesota. Well, I'll tell you, it's Detroit. There you go. So they've got to get past this one. You know, I think the one thing that we're going to be keeping an eye on two things. 
Obviously, it's going to be the matchup of Ezekiel Elliott versus Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, the leading rusher in the league, which is fascinating. Dak Prescott even said this week, you know, I referenced it earlier, that he didn't realize it. Neither did I, quite frankly. I was actually a little shocked to see that Ezekiel Elliott's sixth in the league right now. And you and I were talking about this earlier. It's not so much that Elliott's had an off year. This has become more of a diverse offense, far more diverse than any time. They've had, they have so many more weapons this year than they've had in, since Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott was a workhorse. And they've talked about, you know, you've signed him to a long-term contract. You don't want to wear him out. And they were certainly wearing the wheels out those first couple I, of years. But I, he has been very efficient when he's on the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he does a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Like when we, when I see him out there blocking and the way he takes out guys. Blowing up Derek Barnett. Yes. And yeah, no, he, he is a willing, and I mean, I remember seeing it vividly at the end of last year it was the practice week game was over and he was still talking like he was tired like the game had just ended. i remember late in december you'd ask him question and he just looked fatigued just, just worn down and it was it, i think it's helping that this load isn't as heavy and, and i think you're seeing the results of you know he's really starting to hit his stride and these last two games he's really looked very much closer to the 2016 Ezekiel Elliott that we haven't seen in a while. And he did have this to say about all that. I think there's been running backs that played better than me this year. You know? Does that bother you? Uh, no, I don't think it bothers me. Just, you know, kind of adds a little fuel to the fire. Uh, you know, I got some more work to do. That's all. Dalvin Cook, of course, coming into town, as we said, leading rusher, and he is staring at a milestone. This is a pretty impressive one. When you yeah. consider running backs, elite running backs in this league, there's a couple of names that come to mind, and I'm talking the history of the game. One of them, former Oklahoma Sooner, Minnesota Viking, Adrian Peterson, who four different times in his career reached 100, reached 1,000 rushing yards in 10 games. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook is staring at that milestone. He could potentially do that this weekend. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can do that, of course, against this Cowboys offense. And some quick injury updates. We didn't see Leighton Van Der Esch playing on Monday Night Football. Of course, he was dealing with that next stinger, which to me was so curious because he was so deliberate, uh, frustrated by any insinuation that he was not going to be good to go after that Philly game. And of course, he had the whole bye week and then he missed the, the Giants game. This week, did a little bit in practice, a little bit more uh, on Thursday. Of course, we're recording this on Thursday and then Friday is when this podcast airs. So we're keeping an eye on him. But Sean Lee didn't do a terrible job at all. He actually, no, one, one, one of, of his, his better, better games. One of the best games. That's the best he's played, I would say, since probably Dak's rookie year when he was an All-Pro. He he was absolutely fantastic against the Giants. So if Leighton Van Der Esch can't go, you've got Sean Lee. But it would certainly help to have all hands on deck when you're talking about containing a guy like Dalvin Cook, who is certainly going to be a challenge for this Cowboys defense. Yep, and uh, just before we get to Calvin Watkins here, I'll, I'll give you one fun note about Dalvin Cook that a lot of people may not know or may not remember is that for all the criticism that the Cowboys got for the Taco Charlton pick and, man, how did they miss that so bad or are they losing it? Uh, the Cowboys actually didn't need a running back that draft because they obviously had Ezekiel Elliott, but when they picked Taco Charlton, they had just one first-round graded player left on the board that was available to be picked. And it was Dalvin Cook. They had a first round grade on Dalvin Cook, and they leading the league in rushing right now. It looks like they nailed that one. They just didn't need a running back in that 2017 draft. Beer, beer. I need a party horn when you put together these <laughs> these fun facts. There you go. See, take it to the house, folks. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, we now welcome into the show Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News, one of my favorite guys who has, if you're not familiar with him, Cowboys fans, give him a follow. Give him give him the Twitter account. Uh, my Twitter is... Uh, at Calvin Watkins. That's it. Pretty simple. But if obviously you can follow him <laughs> for content, but he always has like this effervescent smile and personality and energy. I love having you up here. Thank you for joining the show and joining Bobby and I. Oh, thanks for thinking of me. I'm, of course. I'm very humble. How would how would you actually this off season? You it's been a big off season of trades. You had the Michael Bennett trade, mm. the uh, Robert Quinn trade. That's Both of those one. have been those have had huge impacts. 
I would say that the most impactful trade that's been made for the Cowboys was the Calvin Watkins, John Machota blockbuster Clearly. between the Athletic <laughs> and the Dallas Morning News. I was just for cast considerations. That that was like I mean, yes. you know, Jamal Adams sit down. This is big. <laughs> that was a big trade. <laughs> I tell you, it's so funny is that you know I left, so I was going to be teammates with Machota. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking or whatever. And when I was at the Athletic, I knew they liked John. So, you know, the trade is going down or whatever. So, you know, I'm about to sign my paperwork for the trade to come down. Uh, past my physical, I guess. Oh, good, yeah. good. And I was at Walmart with my wife, and we're walking. My phone rings. It's John. And he goes, tell me about the Athletic. And I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> so the trade went down, like, later that night, like after he called me at Walmart, and we were talking about the trade. It was, it, was, it was incredible. Yeah, no, that was that rocked the world. That rocked the social media world when that mm. trade went down. What is it like? Because I'm curious because we have so many you know, just sports fans in general. But, you know, this world of blogging and these startup, you know, uh, online resources have, have, have come down the line. It's so different than traditional media. What is it like going behind the paywall and walking away from a traditional newspaper? Uh, you're probably tweeting more of your stories out because you want people to, you know, subscribe. Um, but you also have to take care of your core readers who are subscribing because of you. Um, some of us who sometimes I forget to tweet my own stories. Sometimes I'll tweet David Moore's story or Michael Gelkin's story because they're my teammates and I'll forget about it. I have to tweet my own stuff because we also have uh, people you want to subscribe to the Dallas Morning News uh, Cowboy stuff. But when you're just strictly payroll uh, wall, that's how you make your money. You have to tweet it like in the morning, like at 8 a.m. And then you got to think, oh, people are at lunch, and so you tweet it at lunch. Then, oh, you got to do it late in the day, so you're like, you got to think about this stuff three or four times a day. So so what I'm hearing is that was just too much work. And so you said, I'm going to go back to the Dallas morning. I don't want to think about all that. It is fascinating, though. I remember I was working in Denver, Colorado at KMGH, and my news director at the time, you know, back then it was new and fresh to launch these 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. newscasts, right? Because I was so used to traditional news. It was the morning show. The 12 p.m. noon show was a, a deal, and then you had the evening news at 6. And you would never give away what you were working on. In other words, you didn't want your competition to know that you had this scoop, this soundbite, whatever. And I remember my boss, he was really kind of at the front of some of this stuff. He said, I want you all to get Twitter accounts, and I want you to start tweeting about what you're working on. And I was incredulous. I was so angry. I remember going in his office, because I was just this, like, shocking, uh, this very competitive news reporter. And I said, why would I tell my competition what I'm working on? And it literally, to your point, the first thing we do when we walk out of the locker room is I'm tweeting stuff before I'm mm-hmm. even jumping on air. It's just interesting. Even when I'm watching uh, Netflix, I'm just co- totally going off on a tangent here. My <laughs> my new favorite show is uh, or is on Amazon Prime, uh, The Boys. Yeah, yeah, and it talks about these superheroes that they're you know they're they they're brought into this community, but they can't save a person unless there is a crew there filming them because it's <laughs> yeah. all about their social metric meters. Everything we do oh. now. It, our podcast, go ahead and give us five stars. Yeah, everything do. we do now <laughs> is about metrics and analytics. But, but you it's know what? I got to say, it, it, I, I think that this is one of the, I, I mean, I can't speak for experience anywhere else, but like, I got to say, this is a pretty generous beat. People are always offering to let me hold your recorder since you're outside. Uh, do you get that audio? I didn't get it. Can you share it? You know, can we, you know, do you have a photo? I'll swap you a photo. <laughs> you progress. worked in New York, Calvin. I don't, I don't think, and I love Manish and some of those guys. Mm-hmm. I don't get that Manish <laughs> and them were sharing very easily up there. They never shared anything. <laughs> like here, we'll do like a transcription, like Jason Garrett will talk. So like six of us will say, oh, let's break it down and all this to transcribe Garrett and we'll send it to each other. That never happened in New York. <laughs> now, part of that is because the Jets PR staff, they send out transcript, transcripts, but they send it out late in the day. And so you kind of need it right away. Right. But I think because we all know each other, I've been on Clarence Hill for like 25 years. I'm sorry. I, I know me too. <laughs> you know, Todd Archer, when I first got to the morning news um, and got promoted to the Cowboys, Todd Archer was on the beat. So, you know, Todd, you know, helped me understand the NFL. So we've all been like, you know, I've been married three times. Clarence, (laughs) Clarence is my wedding, my second wedding. When I got engaged, he's one of the first people I told. Uh, When he had kids, I was there when his first child was born. You know, so we all kind of know each other, but it's a very competitive beat. Like if I'm beating him on something, I'm going to let him know. Say, man, you better better check something. (laughs) 
Oh, he came on here and and, uh, verbally assaulted me on Tuesday because uh, I told Antoine Woods what a traitor Clarence was for selling him out about his tardiness, and he took it very personally. I love this beat, too. I mean, I've worked uh, in other markets, and and to your point, it does sort of feel like you're around your family and friends. Mm -hmm. I love training camp, going and hanging out with all you guys, so that's why I love doing this podcast up here at the Star when we can because it's like allowing our friends to come on and, and for Cowboy fans who follow all of you, to sort of get us all in one place. So thank you for jumping good. in. Oh, appreciate you. I want I want to sort of set the table with you because we hope to have you on a couple other times. But yeah, that'd be great. I want them to to get to know you guys. And like I said, I appreciate you you know doing this for us because you know it's free right now. Speaking of speaking of sharing scoops, so you were one of uh, Jane got a, a quick chance. Shireen got a hug, but I know you got to talk to Michael Bennett. What's uh, what was your take on him? Because I know not a lot of people have gotten a chance to talk to Michael yet. Michael seems like a nice young man. Uh, my have you ever had any interactions with him before? No, I, I mean I knew his brother Martellus when he got drafted by the Cowboys. So I knew I know Martellus. Really Everyone well. has great stories to Martellus too. Martellus is unbelievable. Um, but Michael seems I've had two interactions with him. I said, "Hey, when can you he talked? Uh, maybe tomorrow, but that never happened. <laughs> so today, I interacted with him and we we're getting more detail. This inside baseball stuff. We're trying to get him to speak this week. But he doesn't really want to talk this week. He wants to talk after the game, but he wants to talk on a, to a small group of reporters. And as you know, Jane, in Dallas, that's hard to do. Right. So especially for you guys, because you have cameras and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think he really wants to do that. So we're kind of negotiating with him about talking to us in a small group. Maybe we can get some cameras or not, but we're trying. If but not, it was a great conversation. You're SOL Slater. We're negotiating no with the terrorist over here. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I like Michael. Yeah, to your point, look, he wasn't he wasn't obnoxious about it. He was actually pretty polite. He yeah. just said, "Look, I'm settling into my groove, and uh, you know, if he has a big game, I'm just going to beat you guys all to it, and I'm going to get an NFL Network one on one with him after the game." Hey, he had a big game in New York, <laughs> but right, that's the thing. He had a big game in New York, and you weren't there. No, you weren't there, and they had some other lady there, Kim Jones. Yeah, but I think she went to the Giants locker room because they because um, Joe Trahan, who's part of PR staff of the Cowboys, mm-hmm. he comes out like, who's the NFL Network? Who's the NFL Network? He's like, he's looking. And I'm like, well, usually it's Jane, Well, I think it's because they, they went and got Zeke at one point. So they were yes, probably Kim looking John, for Kim Zeke. Jones yeah, did yeah. get Zeke. I, okay. do, I do always feel, and maybe it's not, but I do always feel like when they when we get a one-on-one after the Cowboys game and Joe or Scott sticks there and goes, <laughs> NFL Network, and we have to like, excuse me, pardon me. I do feel like kind of like the rest of the beat reporters sitting there like, teacher's pet, like, Suck I like it when Jane comes out of the locker room before any of us. I'm just looking at it. She's like, eh, just talk to somebody. Wow, what you guys are Come missing on, in there got, is but you, insane. But I get nothing from those guys one-on-one. The stuff that you guys get with Jerry just by yourselves, that little group uh, of insiders and who have been here forever, some of the stuff that he gives you is gold. I'll get a call from my desk. Did you get what Jerry said? I'm like, no, you guys have got me multitasking. It's hard. I'm only one human. You got to ask Jerry. The same question, three different ways to kind of get what you really want. Got to grease him up a little bit. He'll be like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And then it's national headlines. But he did want to talk about that black cat. He was on the golf cart. He almost ran us over. (laughs) And, you know, he's in the front, obviously. And then Steve is in the back with Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey. Of course they were. And and I'm looking at them. That is the strangest friendship. Have you ever figured out where that came from? Well, Christie's a Cowboys fan. I know he is, and they, and, you know, he's at AT and T Stadium a lot. But like, what started that? If you, I think it just comes down to if you're, if you have any prominence and you're a Cowboys fan, Jerry will be your buddy. I think that's an accurate statement. Now, Cal, how long have you been uh, covering the Cowboys? I know you have the break in between, but what, what was the first year you covered the Cowboys? Uh, my first year was 2006. 2006. So I think that was either the last year or right after he had left. I, I'm curious. You know, you got the Vikings coming to town. Uh, Jason Garrett is the only head coach in the NFL operating under the last year of his contract. There are two or three others that have just one year left. I mean, pretty much everybody's locked into place for a while. Uh, with the Vikings coming to town, with a guy that has such a long-standing relationship, just as a hypoth- hypothetical, do you think if things went poorly for Jason Garrett here and ultimately the Vikings didn't take the next step, do you think Mike Zimmer would ever have a future here? Yeah, I think so, because he's got a relationship with the Jones family. I think that's the key for when you think about head coaches is, like, I, I covered the last year of Parcells. Mm-hmm. So I think about why did they hire Parcells? Well, because the whole thing was 
was going to falling apart, so he needed someone to turn it around. That's Bill Parcells. And after Bill, he wanted to find someone who was like a grandfatherly type guy. So he he and surprisingly he picked Wade Phillips over over North Turner, who has a relationship. And then when he finally got rid of Wade, he picked Jason Garrett. Knows the whole family. So Mike Zimmer, yeah, I would think he would be the next guy to and me. A defensive minded coach would be interesting. And a guy who has who did work under Parcells for a while, you know, did has, has some the, of that I mean, same the Sean Payton, Mike Zimmer, mm-hmm. that coaching tree. You know, I actually it, never thought about that as a because that's as a the thing possibility. Is that he, he's not extended. You look across the league; there are not very many coaches that are coming free from their contracts. And two of the ones that are that are getting relatively close it's Jason Garrett and Mike Zimmer. And so I've wondered before the other ones. Actually, the two others have some ties to the situation. The other one, Anthony Lynn, who was on mm-hmm. staff, uh, and then the other one was you mentioned that they hired Wade instead of North Turner. Mm-hmm. The third finalist there, who's coming open, is Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. Ron Rivera also Ron interviewed for interviewed. that job right. and was one of the finalists and didn't end up getting it. Went to Carolina. So those three, there is some so ties to is Dallas. Ron coming up. What's up, Ron? Coming up, Ron. So Jason Garrett's contract runs out this year, and then after next year. Ron uh, Rivera, Mike Zimmer, and Anthony Lynn's contracts all run out. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about uh, your boy in Green – well, he used to be in Green Bay. McCarthy has taken over. He's an offensive-minded guy. Ooh. You know, he worked he – he's a Super Bowl winner, correct? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just asking. I like Mike, quite frankly. Okay. I, I mean, he's, my interactions with him have combined. He's got a daughter named Jane. Really? Yeah. He's a, he's a, That's all it takes for Jane to like you. Ta- you have a daughter named <laughs> yeah, Jane. Tough. Jane's in. I don't need to see what your coaching resume yeah. is. I'm a You're, narcissist. Jane, yeah. It's always about me. That'll be easy because I know whenever the coach addresses me, he's going to feel some natural fondness. Obviously. Just Jane. Well, yeah. Jason Garrett's, you know, I think his sister's name's Jane. It hasn't really helped you me fight, out over yeah, the years. Fight, <laughs> no, but I mean, you, 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 you're known to fight with your sibling. I, I do wonder, you know, you got to think Dak yeah, being here long term. Dak being here long term. I'm sure Dak would Aaron have Rogers, some sort of a, Dak S. Well, I'm sure Dak would have some sort of. So I keep wondering if the way Dan Mullen sort of revived Florida, if they'd ever talk to him, because that was Dak's guy at Mississippi State. That's who. Uh, actually, Dan Mullen told the story to. Um, I'm just so down on the college coaches. You don't like Lincoln Riley. Is- I just don't know how I feel. I mean, Stephen look, Jones likes it's, a ter- it's a terrible example when you look at what Jimmy Johnson did here, right? And then you look at Barry Switzer. So it's terrible for me to say I'm not a big fan of the transition. I guess maybe I just sometimes go to Nick Saban and it wasn't a project that always worked out. It, it is kind of interesting though, that, you know, it's so odd how frequent the Cowboys are one of the few jobs in the world that you see this where people will openly talk about their interest in the job while somebody else is under contract. Like it's a little interesting <laughs> that urban Meyer's going like, Oh yeah, I take the call. Can you imagine you in your day to day? So I'll be like, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if uh, Michelle Steele or, Sam Ponder would be, or Maria Taylor would be interested in that Dallas NFL Network job. You know, like, Jane does a nice like, job, but like, I'd be interested if, to see if they'd be interested in taking over that Dallas beat for Jane. <laughs> or I wonder if John Mashota would be interested in the athletic beat. <laughs> right. Although, wait, that did happen. So. That did happen. <laughs> it's funny because, as more inside baseball, we, we talk about it all the time. Like, oh, there's an open, like, before I, I was at Newsday covering the Jets, so people were talking about who. I knew all the people they interviewed at the athletic for the Cowboys job. I, mm-hmm. I remember I was talking with one guy. I was at his house, <laughs> and he was telling me I got the offer today. I said, "Oh yeah, so what's, so what's the money like?" You know, we're just talking about it. So, but that happens all the time in our business. We're always talking about each other. Like, okay, Jane, this open ESPN because such and such is leaving. Which Jane would want that? Hmm. It's Jane, true. Have an agent? You have an agent, Jane. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah. It does happen to some extent, but not the way it happens with poor Garrett. I mean, it sometimes does. I feel for Garrett. I'm like, I don't like. I guess I have a soft spot for some of these guys. I'm like, maybe I'm just mentally weak. But like sometimes when I look at the way Dak handles some of the press coverage and the way that Jason Garrett, I'm like, I don't know how they just put the blinders on and go. Yeah, what? we asked Dak today about his contract. Yeah. Oh, what did he say? I wasn't there for that. Oh, um, this is why we bring you on when I'm, <laughs> when I'm dropping the ball. <laughs> uh, Todd Archer asked him about being patient because Kirk Cousins was kind of patient. He had to be, he was franchised twice mm-hmm. by Washington, then he got paid. So is it hard to be patient? He said, no, because I'm not in it for the money. That's what Dak said. So then I said, well, Amari's going to wait for the offseason for contract talks. Are you doing the same thing? And Dak was kind of non-committed. He was like, I have representatives that handle that. I trust them and those kinds of things. I do. I, Todd's speaking, a tiger. I'll give Todd France that. 
Todd, speaking is speaking Todd to that though, paid. he you gets know, people paid. It's interesting that they brought up the Kirk Cousins thing because I guess that's been if there's one fear that Cowboys fans I think have is that it's their concern that it'll play out the way it played out in Washington. You'll franchise twice. You'll have these tough negotiations till eventually everybody goes. We just need to split here, I and then you and then you do if... then you do ridiculous things like Washington, like you know paying twenty million for Alex Smith and then paying to trade for twenty million for Case Keenum and then having to draft first round. So do you? Is that a, I mean, do you think ultimately there's no way this doesn't get done? Or is there some sort of narrow avenue where things just become two tens? I'm surprised it hasn't gotten done. Same. Because when training camp started, I thought Dak, of all three of those guys, it was Dak, Zeke, and uh, Amari, mm-hmm. I thought they'd get the quarterback done. 100%. You know, and there was a point in camp we asked Dak about his contract. Do you want it done before preseason? And he's like, yeah, that would be good. And he kind of gave us a look like, and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to get done. But it, ne- it didn't get done. But I do think it will get done eventually, but I'm just surprised. Well, Here we are in November, and it hasn't gotten done. And what's crazy, Calvin, is when I checked with one of my sources about where those talks are, there was no conversation during the bye week. None. Mm-hmm. Which I, I was a little shocked by that. And when I asked what, what range we're working with now, it's like 33, 35. Okay. So isn't that... Well, maybe he he looks at it like... What I what I what I've heard, and I'm not trying to put rumors out here on mm-hmm. on the pod, but no, what I've heard is it may be coming down to the years that he wants, four versus the six. In other words, the Cowboys want to give him like a six, and that would allow them to move some of the money around, mm-hmm. and then maybe you're not getting all that money that you want. But if you've got the four solid years, you've sort of got to pay them. There's sort of <laughs> there's a truth in a contract. In other words, you get exactly what you're looking for. Now I haven't been able to pin that one down. But that seems the most logical to me as to why this hasn't happened because uh, there's not any animosity on these two sides. Both of Dak doesn't he grew up a Cowboys fan. That locker room, they're so close. We've seen guys take hometown deals to make it work. I, I find it hard to believe that Dak would go somewhere else from over money, and I find it hard to believe that the Cowboys think they can find something better out there or a better guy, not only on the field but off of it. Uh, it's interesting you said the four to six. Because if you do four, there's this kid in Kansas City who I think is going to get about $40 million average. Uh, that might... Matt, Matt Moore's been good filling in, but let's just calm down. And then the kid in Baltimore, oh, excuse me, the kid in Houston, he's pretty doggone good. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe if I'm Todd Fence, I'm like, hmm, if I do the six years, my guy might be number two in average. He might drop to like five or six. Well, that's the thing they kids. want. I've also heard that is to your point. That allows them to not only this isn't a lifetime contract. It allows them to come back to the table mm-hmm. in those four years. Talk about that perspective. Okay, allows yeah. them to come back to the table in four years and then get him some more money. Right. I mean, look, I want I want Tony the Tiger in there. <laughs> I mean, Todd 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 to me like because a lot of people look at sort of Dak incredulously. Like, take the thirty three thirty five. Why haven't you signed this? I, I think, especially when they went on the you know on the losing streak there for a little bit like oh his market value is going down I was one of them. <laughs> I do think it's uh, th- there has been so much that you know Dax talked openly about wanting to get it done the Cowboys seemingly have talked so much about wanting to get it done Stephen Jones said to the fan about a week and a half ago. And I think we've always heard these whispers said something about, you know, oh, we want to get Dak done. We want to pay him. You know, if we didn't have these salary cap issues, it would have been done. We would have had this done already. He said, but, you know, we like our team and we, we want to see, you know, there, there's a, only, you know, there's to a point where we're only going to be willing to pay before we start having to worry about sacrifice people's, you know, basically what he had said. I'm curious, what's that? number to the Cowboys because the Cowboys clearly think there is apparently some sort of number that this starts jeopardizing too many guys that we don't want to get rid of and that would be my only concern is is Todd France going to lock in and say well that's the number we need well I know the cap goes up at least on average 10 million dollars so it's projected to be 200 million dollars next year and they have money to take care of Amari Cooper and they have money to take care of Dak Prescott Um, and Jamal Adams Yes, let's say that. <laughs> Jamal Adams is, is, is lurking in the wings uh, because in December he becomes eligible for a contract extension. And when I, when I talk to his people, they're looking for a contract extension. Uh, and we're not talking about the fifth-year option. They're looking for we want to be the highest-paid safety. So if you make that trade to get Jamal Adams, he's also on the list now. So you got Dak, you got Amari, and now you got Jamal Adams. So many mouths to feed. So many mouths to feed. And then you're going to lose your starting corner, Byron Jones, 
who gets lost. Yeah, okay, Jay. You let him go. <laughs> and then and then the defensive line, it's it's a, a shambles because you only have Demarcus Lawrence coming back and you lose Malik Collins. Robert Quinn, I think, is going to be gone. Michael Bennett's going to be gone. Antoine Woods, I think, is going to be gone. See, the fans, they don't realize like the, the sort of like uh, all, the team how the sausage is made. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into this yeah, thing. Yeah, the team looks at, like I'm very shocked they took care of Jalen Smith Same. and Lyle Collins, even though they had money for all this. But I do remember when they took care of uh, Jalen Smith, Stephen Jones was like, hey, guys, look, take a team-friendly deal. Come on down. We can all go to Miami together in championship game. Come on, let's go. And Dak's like, no, I'm not doing no team-friendly deals. Forget y'all. But Zeke sort of showed up to the table, didn't he? Oh, <laughs> Zeke got the highest paid in his position. Zeke can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Amari, now what do you, what do you, how do you pay Amari? Well, especially if these injuries are an issue. I mean, do the Cowboys start using that against him? Yeah, why not? I mean, okay, but when Zeke had his off the field, did they use that against him? Oh, I think it definitely got used the, against the, the, him. The, yeah. the Cowboy, okay. I know, I had heard from somebody when after that trade happened, one of the last hurdles before the Cooper trade had happened was mm. the Cowboys were investigating something about his ankle, and they ultimately determined that they figured, they thought Oakland had mismanaged it and that they were going to be fine. So there were questions about his injury history coming in here. Now he does have a bunch of injury issues. I, would, I To Jane's point, I wonder if, maybe that is kind of what's slowing things down here is, man, you seem to always be getting hurt and it's, but he plays through it. He does. He's a warrior. Well, remember his last year, well, the year they traded for him, I think he had a concussion, mm-hmm. but he also has some nagging. Remember, I think he said in his rookie year, he had the plantar fasciitis. Yeah, he's played through the fasci- He's had plantar fasci- fasciitis. He's fasci- had ankle injuries. He's Quad, had hamstring issues. Ankle, it's, heel. It, that's been a consistent for him. But like I said, to his point, the guy is a warrior and he's been playing through it. Well, man, we have, uh, I told you we were going to have you here for 10 minutes, Calvin, Sorry. and then we I've held you Calvin's hostage. Time. I mean, I've abused you here, but no, you're just so talk. easy to talk to. Uh, so I hope you'll come back and do the podcast because I've enjoyed getting, um, obviously, to know you uh, here at the Star, but I'm, I want our fans to get to know you as well. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've known you guys a long time. I knew Jane when, when we were at Valley Ranch, <laughs> and I was at uh, another network, and she was going to join a subsidiary of that network. And we were talking about the background checks, how long it takes. Yes. And I said, Jane, it's okay. It's, 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 believe me, I went through it too. It's okay. It's okay. You're going to get through it. Long They're going to find those things that I tried to sponge. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, when you go to those background checks, I mean, they want you to put the exact salary that you had. Yes. And, Jane, and you know, everyone inflates their salary so they can get a raise from yes. somebody else. Jane, Jane was worried they were going to Ezekiel Elliott her in negotiations <laughs> and bring out. Yeah, that's what she was worried about. I mean, if you did too deep. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got to be careful. There's a lot of uh, true seekers here on this podcast. We're going we're gonna to start looking into it. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the pod. Uh, Calvin, go ahead and sure. give them uh, – that handle so they can check your workout so you don't have to work so hard, my man, getting your content out there. Yeah, you can uh, check me out at the Dallas Morning News, DallasNews.com, or on Twitter at Calvin Watkins, C-A-L-V-I-N-W-A-T-K-I-N-S. Spell your name right, my man. Yeah, hey, when I, get to, when I go to Starbucks, they, put, they spell Calvin with a K. It me so much. <laughs> Kevin? The- no, Calvin. Oh, Kellen. Yeah, yeah. Well, Calvin, thank you for stopping by the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for uh, tuning in for yet another edition of all of our musings. We'll have you next week after this Vikings game.